Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Patriot Strong. As you can see, uh, the wonderful Dr. Brian Artis is joining the show once again. Uh, Dr. Artis, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. It's great to be here with you again. How's you and your family? We're, we're well. Um, as uh, you guys may know, Dr. Artis works hand in hand with a medical advocacy group called Grace Care. And they actually were a huge help to myself and my husband, John, who was in the hospital for 47 days. Um, he ended up needing to have a LVAD put in, which is a left ventricle artificial device to help the blood pump through his body. But the advocates at Grace Care were amazing. Um, Gail, shout out to Gail specifically. She helped us a lot. So I just want to give uh, Grace Care and you a shout out because, you know, people need help whenever they're facing these stressful situations and you guys are there to do just that. And I'm very thankful that I had that, um, you know, opportunity and uh, option there for me. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, it's been a great honor to have two advocacy teams actually in the beginning of COVID. Uh, when I started speaking out about hospital protocols, there's a nurse advocate named Michelle Routon who ha happens to live in McKinney, Texas. I, I didn't I didn't know her very well. All I know is she was immediately thrown into this with me uh, to actually create advocacy teams. And I mean, immediately within a couple of days of me meeting her, we had a group of six or seven different nurse advocates helping people in all 50 states. Later on, that built to even be more, and we were helping people in Canada also uh, all throughout the pandemic. It began began to get overwhelming with her clinical practice also, and uh, she, we actually joined forces with a group called Great Care with Priscilla Romans and Gail, as you know, who was able to help you. They are now helping people globally all over the world, and so yeah. this has been a great, great opportunity for us to work hand-in-hand -hand with people that uh, who know the hospital systems can navigate those waters because the majority of us lay people at home and audiences at home. We don't know what the rights are for us as patients, being patients in hospitals. Most of us don't know, but uh, it's very, very helpful to have people that are in the know and have worked in the hospital systems to help navigate the ethics committee meetings, review charts, and uh, have those discussions with the individuals in charge. It's been yeah. very, very helpful. Absolutely. And if anybody, you know, if anybody is facing the situation, I pray to God not. But if you are in this situation where you need an advocate, I highly recommend reaching out to Grace Care. Um, they they are just an amazing option, an amazing group of people. Um, so, yeah, shout out to them. Um, Dr. Artis, I know that you have been on the front lines of diving into what's really in all these vaccines all of, you know, the past three years. Um, we've did shows prior on the uh, Watch the Waters documentary and uh, something interesting that I had just learned that I just watched a couple weeks ago, I think, was an interview with Dr. Chetty, I believe, who also found the same information that you had already projected and presented like a year ago. Um, and he found the same information and was able to document that. Um, but yeah, I was watching some of that and that's, that's interesting, you know, people had their doubts and now it's finally coming out and doctors all over the world are confirming the results that, you know, you had, uh, um, found years ago. Sorry about that interruption guys. We have storms rolling in. If you are in 
Ohio. Um, our electric's already been off like two or three times, but we lost the connection, but Dr. Artis is back. Sorry for that. Um, thank you for hopping back on. <laughs> yeah, no worries. All right. So what I was, uh, I think we were talking about was the fact that in January of 2023, Dr. Chetty, C-H-E-T-T-Y, M-D out of South Africa, he was able, he's been working with COVID patients acutely since the beginning of the pandemic. He has been on Zoom calls with me and every other doctor you're aware of working towards the fight against COVID and the mandates and everything else. So he's been on these calls with us for three years. He was, he's done a great job helping educate us on what he's seeing in South Africa and then what techniques to use, drugs to use, natural supplements to use to help people recover. And he's been a great resource. January 28th of this year, 2023, he was discussing in an interview that uh, he, he was on. People were asking him, what are you seeing with long hauler COVID patients? And he goes, well, most long hauler COVID patients respond very well to our traditional therapies we're using against COVID acutely. He said, however, there's this there's this subgroup of long hauler COVID patients that just won't respond to any of our treatment. So he discusses how he took stool samples from these people and then sent them to a scientist named Carlos Brogna. And Carlos Brogna did a three, did three types of testing with the stools to confirm the presence of what might be causing the symptoms in the patient. And what they discovered just two months ago, three months ago, that Dr. Chetty's talked has been able to discuss and share with the world is they found in the stools and in the intestines of long hauler COVID patients that will not recover. They all had replicating snake venom peptides in their bowels and in their feces. They had replicating sea snail venoms called conotoxins in their feces and in their intestines. And he also mentions starfish venom being replicated by bacteria in the bowels of COVID-19 long hauler patients. And so this information about replicating venoms in the COVID-19 long hauler patients, uh, it just so happens to directly coincide with everything I've been saying for the last year that a lot of people immediately wanted to dismiss or were shocked by. And that was COVID-19 is nothing more than weaponized venoms being spread around the world. And then over the last 10 months, I have spent every day educating audiences around the world on any platform ever and on our shows, the implication of bacteria and yeast infections in people replicating venoms. And so I've been educating people that you need to determine, do you have E. coli in your body? Do you have yeast in your body? Because they're being engineered to replicate venoms in the presence of venoms. So as we either ingest, and what's interesting too, I'll just mention Courtney, is that Dr. Chetty in his interview is being asked. So are you saying Dr. Chetty that COVID-19 and long hauler COVID is more of a, a bowel disease than it is a respiratory disease. And Dr. Chetty goes just like this. That's exactly what we're saying. Yep. Now, what's interesting about that, Courtney, is what did I say? I said from the beginning with the Watch the Water documentary in May of 2020, I said, just so y'all know, this is not a respiratory infection. Y'all are drinking this thing it's you are swallowing it and it's going into your bowels going into your bloodstream and they have neurotoxins from venoms of snakes that are causing respiratory symptoms that look like a respiratory virus but that is not what this is and so it's very interesting to watch now experts around the world in the medical field uh, actually confirm the things we've been showing for the last year so uh, that is very exciting it's been a been a long road but i've been relentlessly doing 
interviews every day, all day, speaking engagements every day, every week, somewhere in the world, presenting this information to try to save as many lives as possible. And it has been a phenomenal experience. So it's been it's been an interesting ride, right? It's been interesting. Right. Yeah. And that's so exciting. You know, all of your work and research is finally not finally getting noticed, but it's getting noticed worldwide by other doctors. And you're like, yeah, that's what I've been saying forever. Should have listened, you know, way back when. Anyway, um, I thought that was really interesting and really funny. I'm like, oh, I remember hearing that like a year ago. Um, <laughs> but I, I know that you're on today. You're going to do a presentation of uh, what you have found recently. Um, and I'll let you take the floor and take over in that. I don't want to give anything away. I want everybody to find out, you know, as I do. So uh, uh, you can share a screen or whatever you need to do. And thank you so much. You're very welcome. Yeah, let's share a screen here first. Alrighty, Teddy. Yeah, I love I love not just only talking, which is one thing I've been doing this whole last year is making sure, I mean, this whole time actually, I love making sure people are aware of what I see and what I'm saying. I don't want them just guessing. So uh, we're going to actually take you through some highlights of this presentation. All right. Have you heard, Courtney, that there are 80 plus percent of all pregnancies worldwide, if those pregnant women get a COVID-19 vaccine, that they have lost their babies? no matter what stages of pregnancy. Have you heard those statistics? I haven't heard the exact numbers. I did know that the vaccine has terrible effects on all of that though. Yeah, it has been reported. Uh, Dr. Jim Thorpe, Dr. Christiana Northrup, they are actually OBGYNs who have published papers already, peer-reviewed and published, that there are some countries around the world, but globally, it's an over 80% miscarriage rate for all those who are pregnant and have received a COVID-19 mRNA injection. So out of Canada, they reported early on about a year ago that there was 90% of miscarriages occurring in Canada. And in Australia, it was above 80%. So you're seeing about 84% being reported. Now, no one's been able to explain why pregnant women getting the COVID-19 shots are, are having miscarriages. Uh, I have a very real probable reason why they're able to orchestrate and cause pregnancies to be terminated with vaccines. So I'm going to take you through what I've taken Dr. Jim Thorpe through, who is an OBGYN, uh, 44 years, only high-risk pregnancies. He asked me, he texted me one day, he goes, can you teach me what you know about miscarriages with the COVID-19 vaccines? And I said, yes, I can. He goes, I have 30 minutes on Tuesday. Courtney, that call went three hours. Oh my gosh. And I just kept showing one document after another and he was blown away. And it ended with me telling him what test to run, and we'll do it here. Anybody in the audience is here who are struggling to get pregnant, have lost babies during pregnancy, I'm just going to tell you right now, there is one test I would run if I was you to confirm whether or not this is causing you to not be able to get pregnant, causing you to lose your babies in utero, which is a miscarriage. And so this is what I'm about to show you. It is all tied to a substance called syncytium. So I'm going to now show my screen here. And I'm going to blow this up for everybody so they can see it. All right. So syncytium, by definition, is a skeletal muscle cell, is a type of syncytium. So it is a multi-nucleus cell. Now, I'm gonna, when I show a screenshot, everyone follow along with just the highlighted areas. All right. So syncytium, as you see here, as defined on Wikipedia, is a multi-nucleated cell 
A classic example of a syncytium cell is a skeletal muscle cell, which is like your biceps, your quads, your calf. These are skeletal muscles, muscles that are attached to your skeleton. All right. And then the term may also refer to cells interconnected by special membranes with gap junctions as seen in the heart muscle cells and in certain smooth muscle cells. Now, we're going to keep going here. These are examples of the cells syncytium creates in utero. So in animals, which they call us animals, in animals, like us humans, syncytium is required to make skeletal muscle, cardiac muscle, smooth muscle, bone muscle, or bone tissue, which is osteoclast build bone, and then placenta. All right, so we're going to stick with the placenta because we're going to talk about miscarriages. So syncytium, another important vertebrae, syncytium is the placenta of placenta mammals. Embryo-derived cells that form the interface with the maternal bloodstream fuse together to form a multinucleus barrier. This, this barrier, made by syncytium cells, is called syncytiotrophoblasts. So syncytiotrophoblasts are the Velcro that actually take the placenta and stick it against the uterus. And that allows blood flow to come to the baby for nutrients and oxygen. So syncytium, when we're talking about miscarriages, syncytium is the cell that creates what are called syncytiotrophoblast, which is the Velcro that keeps the placenta attached to the uterus to receive blood supply and nutrients for the baby and oxygen. Now, if you destroy syncytium, you destroy syncytiotrophoblasts and the Velcro, Velcro that sticks the placenta to the uterus will start to separate and fall apart the baby will die without blood supply. You will miscarry. All right. So now, syncytiotrophoblast. We're going to make sure there's a definition for, for everybody here. Syncytiotrophoblast, in blue, is the epithelial covering of the highly vascular embryonic placental villi. I'll show you what this is. This is describing the Velcro, which invades the wall of the uterus, like Velcro, to establish nutrient circulation between the embryo and the mother. Okay. That's what syncytiotrophoblasts are. You can see syncytiotrophoblasts top right. The amniotic cavity is the area where the baby's going to grow. So the maternal blood vessels you see to the left are all attached to. Now you will see on the right, syncytiotrophoblast is the Velcro to attach the amniotic cavity and placenta to the, the mother's blood vessels of the uterus. All right, so the function is it is the outer layer of the trophoblast. Here's a trophoblast. I'm going to make sure you guys, Hall, I have this information. I can even send this to you and you can share it with your audiences as though they have it. Yes. But this I took audiences through. I'll make sure everybody has this. There's just highlights of this I want to make sure everybody sees. The purpose of syncytiotrophoblast, as you see here, is to invade the uterus wall to bring in blood supply for the baby to thrive and grow. It also is there to protect the mother's immune system from killing the baby. The immune system is regulated by what are called white blood cells, but syncytiotrophoblasts create such a tight barrier to only let blood through that white blood cells that are large that kill infections and other genetic material that doesn't belong to you as the mom. It doesn't let the white blood cells pass through the placenta to get to the baby, so it protects your baby from being attacked by the mom's immune system. So you'll read it right here. The syncytiotrophoblast reduce the chances of an attack by the, etern by the maternal immune system. And then you'll read down here. 
progesterone, which is created by syncytiotrophoblast. So before this blue highlighted statement, same paragraph, look at the sentence before the blue highlighted one. The syncytiotrophoblast secretes progesterone and leptin, in addition to HCG hormone. HCG prevents degeneration of the corpus luteum, and you can see the corpus luteum in the actual image above. Progesterone, which syncytiotrophoblast makes, that serves to maintain the integrity of the uterine lining. And until the syncytiotrophoblast is mature enough to secrete enough progesterone to support pregnancy, which occurs in the fourth month, it is aided by the corpus luteum in making progesterone. It is required. Progesterone is absolutely essential to maintain a pregnancy. Right. All right, so here we go. So syncytin 1, we're going to read something up here real quick. The syncytiotrophoblast lacks the ability to proliferate into the cytotrophoblast cells without the fusion of what is called syncytin 1. Now, Courtney, there's a doctor named Dr. Judy Mikovits. And after I came out with the Watch the Water documentary, she went on stages everywhere. And she texted me that same night it came out. And she's like, I will speak and preach from every stage forevermore in my life that you were right about venom and COVID and the miscarriages. And all she kept talking about was this syncytin 1. And I'd never even heard of this thing, but she would do it, talk about it all the time, about its impact and venom related to syncytin 1. Well, this is the first time ever is where I came across syncytin that she was talking about and its correlation to venom and leading to miscarriages. So syncytin 1 is required to fuse the Velcro of the syncytotrophoblast to the, the uterus. And you'll read here, syncytin 1 is a cell-to-cell -cell fusion protein. So it fuses cells together like Velcro, whose function is best characterized in placenta development. The placenta, in turn, aids in embryo attachment to the uterus and establishment of nutrient supply. So you have syncytium, you have syncytin 1, which is the cells that are the fusion to attach the placenta to the uterus for nutrient supply. Uh, all right, so I'm going to get to this next part here because this is significant. In this chart, you will see the word syncytiotrophoblast. This is that Velcro layer I highlighted. It secretes HCG hormone in order to maintain progesterone secretion, a hormone, and sustain a pregnancy. Most people who have trouble having, uh, getting pregnant, being fertile, having infertility issues, when they go to an in vitro clinic or an infertility specialist, they will first evaluate them for progesterone levels. And if they've had multiple miscarriages, the only thing they're going to do is supply progesterone primarily to them to maintain their pregnancy because they can't make progesterone on their own. They're, you only make progesterone from syncytiotrophoblast. Well, syncytium is required to make syncytiotrophoblast to make progesterone. Syncytium is the key to the miscarriages with COVID-19 vaccines. And I'm going to tell you how I know that. So let me escape from here and get farther into this actual presentation. The key is syncytium. You can see here, down here below, you will see syncytiotrophoblast down here. And they're actually embedded here in the placenta of the woman, or sorry, of the baby, and fusing together to create a baby in the middle here where the colored cells are. All right, so syncytiotrophoblasts are absolutely required to maintain a healthy pregnancy, secrete progesterone to maintain the pregnancy, and to supply nutrients to the baby. Why is this significant? 
when I was flying back from Puerto Rico about two months ago from doing presentations all around the island with other medical doctors about COVID and venom aspects of COVID. When I was flying back from Puerto Rico, Courtney, I came across this study on the plane and I had saved it, but I hadn't read it yet. There's so many, so many documents I was uncovering and I would just save them as a, I would build out my narrative before I did my release of uh, the watch the water documentary and the other things. All right. So this is a journal. You can see top left. It was dated 2017. This is from the journal of venomous animals and toxins, including tropical diseases. The title of this research paper is, is antiviral activity of animal venom peptides. Now, I don't know why they think this way, but there's a whole lot of people out there and scientists who are working on antiviral drugs and making antiviral vaccines from animal venoms. And I'm going to highlight for you in this summary called the abstract that you see on the screen with a orange border around it at the bottom. I'm going to take you through why it is they're even talking about animal venoms as antivirals. So this is their reason. Highlight the blue part. Although a large number of compounds have been identified as inhibiting various viral infections and disease progression, it is urgent to achieve the discovery of more effective agents. So what they're telling you is, is that in the pharmaceutical world, even though there are a large number of antiviral drugs available and vaccines, they need more effective agents. So they're telling you their products don't work very well. In fact, they're going to tell you right here, they're pretty pathetic. It even states here, furthermore, proportionally to the great variety of diseases caused by viruses, very few viral vaccines are available. And check this out, Courtney, and not all are efficient. <laughs> okay. All right. So a couple highlights of the sentence. They state that there are very few viral vaccines available. Really? Did you know that there are currently 79 antiviral vaccines given to all children in America before the age of 18? Well, that's That's 79 shots before they're 18. How can you say there's very few viral vaccines available? I mean, there's billions of antiviral COVID vaccines that just went around the planet in nine months. That was no big deal. They were able to make billions of them. And then you've got uh, how many elderly in America and around the world are getting annual flu shots, shingle shots, uh, and pneumonia shots, which are all antivirals. There are a plethora of antiviral vaccines, but I do love that they admit not all are efficient. But because they have horrible, sucky vir antiviral drugs and vaccines, and there's not enough of them, thus they say new, new antiviral substances obtained from natural products have been prospected, looked for, including those derived from venomous animals. Venoms are complex mixtures of hundreds of molecules, mostly peptides, that present a large array of biological activities and evolved to putatively target the biological machinery of different pathogens. So what they're telling you is venoms are amazing. Even their peptides, these little short proteins, are actually perfectly designed to target the same areas of the body viruses target. So we could use these as antivirals. So this review provides a panorama of peptides described from animal venoms that present antiviral activity, thereby reinforcing them as important tools for the, the development of new therapeutic drugs. All right. This whole thing's about to go into frog venoms, scorpion venoms, snake venoms, marine sponge venoms that are all created 
to be antiviral vaccines. And their why is, is because their stuff sucks and we need better stuff. And then you'll see here, possible action mechanism of antivirals they actually state here, because of the limited efficacy of commonly used drugs and emerging resistance to viruses, antiviral venom peptides may have the potential for development as putative therapy or agents, therapeutics. And they consider these natural substances because they come from an animal, which is very weird. All right, so I'll make sure your whole audience gets this stuff, but I want to make sure y'all are aware. The first things that they are showing us in this document is this, and everybody should get to know this. The first one I want to show you is scorpion venoms. The names of the scorpions are on the left. The third column is what viruses are already patented scorpion venom vaccines. So they have scorpion venom vaccines for the measles virus. They have scorpion venom vaccines for SARS-CoV-1. They have scorpion venom vaccines for H5N1. They have scorpion vaccines for hepatitis B virus, the HIV virus, scorpion venom for the herpes simplex virus, which is fever blisters and cold sores. They have a scorpion venom vaccine for those, which is insane. And then they have hepatitis C vaccines. And you can see those uh, abbreviations of the virus's names are below the chart at the bottom. So just for reference, you can see right. that. it's not what I'm making up. Now, when we're talking about, we are talking about how to explain miscarriages from the COVID-19 vaccines. I am showing you a paper from 2017 that is showing venoms of animals that now have patents as antiviral vaccines. And I'm going to show you what it is they know they do. All right, so underneath the snake venom section of this paper, some studies have reported the antiviral activity of snake venoms and their components against the measles virus, sendavirus, dengue virus, yellow fever virus, and HIV. So just so y'all know, this isn't new. They've been doing this for a long time. And they show you your research studies. Here's the research studies I screenshotted. So everybody can go look them up if you want to. Venoms from snakes being used to treat viruses of all kinds. All right. Now, this is underneath the snake venom section. We're going to make sure you see this. All right, so inside of snake venoms, inside the snake venom section, they mention that these compounds are widely distributed in other organisms and play an important role, these snake venom components, in biological activities such as apoptosis induction, which means the cells die. Cytotoxicity is cell death. Inhibition or induction of platelet aggregation. That's blood clotting. So they know these snake venom components. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell. And as you know, my passion is to help each and every one of you get the best sleep of your life. That's why I created my new Giza Dreams bed sheets. I started by using the world's best cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. I guarantee you they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. I do not like my sheets. 
I love Mikey's a dream sheet. I'm interrupting this commercial to bring you my BOGO extravaganza. For example, you can buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheets and get a second set absolutely free. Or my six-piece towel sets. Buy one set, get another one absolutely free. Or you can get my classic premium my pillow and get another one absolutely free. So call the number on your screen or go to mypillow.com. Use your promo code to get my buy one, get one free offers and get deep discounts on all my pillow products.